0: This morning, what I'd like for us to do is to talk about the cure for the common Christian. We use the phrase, the common cold. Is there a cure for the common cold? Well, there isn't. Uh, the cold is, is a viral thing and you can't take any antibiotics to get rid of it. And so it just kind of runs its course. But during that time when it's running its course, we're miserable oftentimes. We have headaches and, and, uh, sinus issues and our throat gets sore and, and sometimes, you know, our, our, uh, we, Well, just a host of of issues that come with it, and it eventually goes away, and you get to feeling better. And but there's just no cure for it. Um, I I remember when I was growing up, there was a, a girl down the street from our house, and she walked really different. I mean, she struggled when she walked, and I asked my parents, and they said, "Well, she had polio." And, uh, you know, we, we don't even, well, I know the older folks do, but polio has been eliminated, all but eliminated. I think last year there were like 400, 358 cases in the whole world, um, of that disease. And it is a crippling disease and was, a, a terror a generation ago until they, they discovered the vaccine that, that could, uh, treat that. But, um, or prevent it, but wouldn't you, and, and this girl, if she was so nice to me, she was probably 15 years older than me, but she always wanted to talk. When I would walk down by her house, she would talk and engage me and say hello and stuff. And if I had it within my power to, to make her well, I, I would have done that. If I could have offered her a cure to what had happened to her so that she could walk normally like other people, of course I would have done that. But I didn't have that ability. But there is the great physician. In Mark chapter 2, at least in this passage and and maybe on other occasions as well, Jesus refers to himself as the the great physician. He uh, had gone to Levi's house, Matthew, a tax collector, and he had a meal. And not only was Matthew there, but there were a bunch of folks there that were sinners. And the religious elite of the day saw him there and said, what in the world is he doing? Doesn't he know he's eating with all these sinners? What kind of a man must he be if he's going to hang around with this kind of folk? Jesus then said, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I didn't come for those who are well. I came for those who uh, need a physician. I didn't come for the righteous. I came to call sinners to repentance. When we look at the life of Jesus, uh, he was the great physician. Uh, he could not only heal the body, but he could heal the soul. He could go into a town, and don't you know, I mean, it's hard to get our minds around. We read the Bible, but we often don't get the picture of what it must have been like for Jesus on a day-to-day basis. You know, take a, a famous star in the paparazzi that just continually follows them everywhere they go. Jesus endured that. But I would say to a much greater extent... Because what Jesus could do is not star in a movie. He could heal people. And multitudes of people would would uh, just come to him and he would heal. And we have records of a few of the things he did. But John said, man, if I tried to tell you and write down everything that Jesus did for people, the earth wouldn't contain the books. So that leads me to believe that this guy, Jesus, was busy healing people. The multitudes that would throng around him. Imagine having some dire illness and get to come to Jesus and you go home well. What kind of following would that have? What if we could do that for people today? Do you think we could get everybody in this building? I don't think so. Um, but that's who Jesus was. But not only could he save and cure the, the body, but he could cure the soul. He could make a person well spiritually, so that he could be in fellowship with God. And so what I want us to do, though, is to look at this. Is there a cure for the common Christian? What do I mean by the common Christian? Well, surely you know what I mean. Have you seen people that just go through the motions? Have you ever been, or maybe are you, a Christian nominally... I mean, you wear the name, but you're really not bought in. You're really not sold out to Jesus. Oh, you go through the rituals. You do the right things. You show up on Sunday. You try to behave yourself fairly well through the week. And you try to use proper language and treat your neighbors the way they're supposed to be treated. But but really... There are other things in your life that really take priority. I mean, it may be sports. It it may be work. And by the way, sports, let's see, tonight's Super Bowl, right? And that game goes on about time we have services too, doesn't it? I, I hope you'll be here showing that there's more to me than just this nominal Christianity. We all have VCRs, DV, DVRs, and so forth. But um, the common Christian. There's nothing common about Christianity other than the fact that the salvation that Jesus brings is free to everybody. That's the common part of it. But man, we are called to be different. We are above. We've been called out of the world. We're God's chosen people. We're special. But yet, sometimes we live like, man. I don't know. I just feel like I'm in a rut. I, I don't really feel like I'm into it. I, I know I'm doing the right things. I sit and I sing through songs. I couldn't tell you what we just sang. What What was the message of the song? I don't know. I just I was just trying to not embarrass myself, and I wasn't really paying attention. And and oh, I'm polite when we pray. I don't I don't make a, a scene. But as far as following that man's lead, I, I didn't do that either. Um, it's easy to fall into that, just to, to go through the motions of what Christians do, but really not be genuine, authentic. I think that's probably a problem more than we would like to admit. And I dare say that in an assembly of this size, if we were to raise hands, do you ever struggle with that? Do you ever have trouble like really getting into it and being real and authentic in your Christian life? Do you ever find yourself just going through the motions? I'm afraid some hands would go up. That, that, that's me. How do we fix that? Is there a cure for that? I believe there is. But we're gonna have to go to the right doctor. Of course, Jesus, again, as the great physician, I believe, has some answers for us. And so what I'd like for you to do is open your Bibles to Matthew chapter 5. And I want to share just four things with you this morning that I believe will help cure this common Christianity, this going through the motions, this formalism, ritualism, whatever you want to call it, that we sometimes just kind of slip into? How do I get real? Well, here's what Jesus says. In Matthew chapter 5 and verse 20, the first thing he says is this, our righteousness must exceed. I want you to see that our righteousness must exceed. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the the righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees—you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You know what that means? Christianity isn't um, flat land. It's not living in the valley all the time. It is a lifestyle that exceeds their decisions that that raise us above other people. Mediocrity is not how you live a Christian life. Jesus is talking to... Think of how this must have just like been a wave over these folks. They're sitting there listening to Jesus. Their model of leadership are the scribes and the Pharisees. They are the religious elite of their day. They're the people that they would look up to and hold up to a high stand. Man, they, they tried to keep the law the Pharisees did and tithed of the mint, the, the little seeds. They would tithe and, and count those things out because, um, you're supposed to tithe. They would strain at, at a gnat. You know, they, if they were going to pour, you, you can't eat a gnat. That's an unclean animal. So they would put a filter over their cup and pour in to catch. Any gnat that might have got in that jar because they don't want to defile themselves and eat some unclean thing. Man, these guys are sticklers for the Word of God. And these scribes, what do they do? They sit around all day writing Scripture. How spiritual can these... They write Scripture all day long. That's their job. They're paid to just duplicate Scripture after Scripture after Scripture. Man... The religious. And Jesus says, listen, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the Pharisees and the scribes, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You've got to do better than them. I imagine some folks said, how? What what do you mean? That's not possible. I mean, they give their lives to... Serving the Lord. How can I, a commoner, how can I... I don't don't know. I can't do that. Well, that's what Jesus says. We have to have a righteousness that exceeds. Do you remember that church in Laodicea, Revelation chapter 3 or chapter 2? That lukewarm church, chapter 3. That lukewarm church... Because they were lukewarm, they were neither hot or cold, they were just lukewarm. God said, I'll spew you out of my mouth, man, I want no part of that. Uh, I'd rather you be cold or hot than than lukewarm. I I can't tolerate that mediocrity. And so Jesus says, listen, if you want to go to heaven, you've got to get above, you have to live above mediocrity. It's not good enough. And I'm afraid a lot of people think it is. As long as I have my name on the roster, as long as I go to church every once in a while, as long as I say some nice things every once in a while and don't, you know, kick my neighbor's dog, uh, I'm going to be okay. Jesus says, I want more. A righteousness that exceeds. And so maybe I'm looking at my life now and saying, wow, am I living kind of on this plane here? Or have I kicked it up a notch? What what, what am I doing? Am I living above what the Pharisees and scribes were doing? Or am I kind of living with them? Well, how do I live above? What are some things that I can do? What were the things that they could do? You know, as Jesus starts this sermon, I'm sure they're scratching their heads saying, well, I might as well go home. There's no sense in me trying. I can't outdo the Pharisees. And the scribes, and Jesus says, yes, you can. Because there's more to it than just the outward appearance. And you can do this. And here's what he's going to tell them they need to do. Number one, you're going to have to engage your heart. Listen, there comes a point when we have to, it has to be real. Uh, I'm not going to church because of anybody else. I, I, I'm going to church, and I'm doing what I do in service to Christ because it's real. I really want to, and, and, it's, and it's not just a rote action. It, it comes from deep within me. It's who I am, and we need to try to work at being real. Real. He gives us examples. Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 22. He said, you've heard that it was said you shouldn't murder anybody. But I'm telling you, don't even be angry with a person without cause. You see, Jesus just raised the bar, didn't he? The law said, and or the Old Testament said, or at least those who interpreted it said, just don't kill. And Jesus says, I'm taking it a step further and saying, don't even hate a person or uh, without a cause or be angry with a person without a cause in Matthew chapter five verses twenty seven and twenty eight he talks about adultery. The law said don't commit adultery, but listen, I'm telling you don't even lust after a woman in your heart. Matthew chapter five verses thirty one through thirty two um, can you put away your wife? Can you divorce? Well, if you write or bill a divorcement, you can, but Jesus says, now I'm telling you this. You're not to divorce unless it be for the cause of fornication. Look at verse 33 and verse 34. You've heard, uh, you know, of old that, um, you, you can swear and you swear by the temple and all this kind of thing. But he said, I'm telling you, Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. Don't swear by things. They were using that as kind of like crossing your fingers behind your back. And depending on what they swore on, whether they had to keep what they said or not. It was all a game, manipulating people. And Jesus said, we need to get real. We need to be honest with each other. Just let your yes be yes and your no be no. In verses 38 through 39, he says... You've heard that it was an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth, but now I'm telling you to turn your cheek. Turn your other cheek to those who would um, smack you. And then in Matthew chapter 5, verses 43 through 44, you've heard that you should love your friends and hate your enemy, but I'm telling you to love your enemy. You see, that's what I'm talking about. Jesus said you've got to engage your heart. It's not just in what you do. It's not just in coming to a building. It's not just in making noise as we sing songs. It's not just in being quiet while we pray. It's not just in taking a sip and and breaking off a piece of bread and dropping some money in the plates. It goes back above and beyond that. If you want to be a true child of God, a follower of God, if you want to be cured of that common Christian, we have to engage our heart. I have to... Why do I do what I do? Is it out of rote routine? Or is it because I'm truly a changed and changing person on the inside here's something else that jesus says we have to develop a relationship look at chapter 6 on the sermon on the mount verses 1 through 8 or 1 through 18 in that passage he addresses three topics he says let me talk to you about the benevolent work that you do let me talk to you about the prayers that you pray And let me talk to you about your fasting. He said, some of you do good. But you do good to be seen of men. You want people to know. You want people to come up and pat you on the back and say, Hey, I heard that you had done this for so-and-so. That was really nice. Thank you. And, And we thrive off of that. And, and they do it to be seen of men. And so Jesus says this, look at chapter 6 verse 2. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you, uh, before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may have glory from men. Assuredly I say to you, they have their reward. Can you imagine that? Lord's, uh, we're finished with the Lord's Supper and we're gonna pass the collection plate and as the plate's going around, all of a sudden you hear, doo 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 doo, you know, and there's this trumpet that goes off and you look, what in the world, who's got, and then I drop my check. Can you imagine that? That, that's, that, that's what they were doing. That, and they were getting in the street and, and praying and doing charitable deeds in the street and blowing a trumpet. What, what is, oh. It's Steve doing good. Um, Unthinkable. And, And here's what Jesus said. They have their reward. They do. Why were they doing it? To be seen of men. And they have their reward. They were seen. The trumpet got their attention. But that's all they had. that's the only good that it did. Then he talked about praying, and he said, Man, I'm telling you, verse 5, When you pray, don't be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray, standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets, that they may be seen of men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Can you imagine just making a scene, praying? Praying standing up in the middle of the street praying. One time I was walking with a guy. We were at some kind of a gathering, and we were walking through a field to a, a bonfire. And uh, this guy just kind of grabbed me by the arm and said, just, just stop a minute. And uh, so I stopped, and he began to pray. Um, and he said, okay. He wasn't praying with me or for me or anything. He just wanted to pray. And so I sat there, stood there, waited for him to get done, and we went on and I thought, well, that was strange. Um, I know another man would pray and when he prayed, he would put a sign on his office door. Please don't disturb me deep in prayer. Okay. Uh, Okay, That's, that's fine, but... Couldn't you just go ahead and pray anyway? And couldn't you just like kind of take it up again if you got interrupted? I mean, do you have to announce to the world that that's what you're doing? Um, Jesus said, if you're praying to be seen of men, well, you get your reward. You'll be seen of men. But that's all you're going to do. And then those who fasted. Look at verse 16. Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. You know, you, you just, your posture's down and, and just, oh, it, you just look beat. So that somebody will say, what's the matter with you? I'm just fasting, it's day three. Haven't had anything. Wow. What a spiritual man. Jesus says, if you do that, you have your reward to be seen a men. That's why you're doing it. He said, if you're really praying, go in your closet and pray where no one sees and knows. If you're really going to do your good, don't even let your right and your left hand know. what. In other words, people don't see what you're doing that's good. And when you fast... Wash your face and comb your hair and make yourself look half-decent when you go out so that nobody says, that guy's fasting. Because those things just draw attention, the attention of man. And Jesus says, "I, I need more. I want this to be about you and me and not everybody else. Is that the level, the plane that your service is on? It needs to be. Our righteousness needs to exceed the righteousness of the Pharisees. They did things to be seen of men. Can we get past that and do good just because I have this vertical relationship with God and I don't care if I get credit from men. It's not going to keep me going and it's not going to stop me from going. I do it for the Lord. And then here's the last thing. We must do We must act, and we must obey. As Jesus brings his Sermon on the Mount to a close, as you come to chapter 7, he He starts in verse 21, or doesn't start, but we pick up in verse 21, and he says, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter in the kingdom of heaven. Did you know that? Just because you claim Jesus as Lord and acknowledge him as Lord, doesn't mean you're going to go to heaven. And he goes on to say, but those who do the will of my father in heaven, many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name, cast out demons in your name, done many mighty wonders in your name? These are children of God. These are people that had some connection to Jesus because they were doing power through his name. They were doing good things. And he said to them, I never knew you. Depart from me you who work or practice lawlessness. That should wake me up. That reminds me, and and as he begins the Sermon on the Mount, he ends it with this, ooh, I got chills down my back now. You mean I've got to do better than the Pharisees and the scribes in order to go to heaven? Yes, that's what Jesus said, yes. And as he brings it to a close, you mean that there will be people who claim you as Lord and they won't make it to heaven? Yes, that's exactly what I'm saying. You have to do better than that. You have to obey. You have to do... Christianity is not just a system of beliefs. We've got, we've got to master this belief system. We've got to figure out the things that are right, and the things that are wrong. It's more than just belief It's practice. It's what we do. You can't practice Christianity just by picking up a book and studying. I played basketball. There are all kind of books that will help you learn how to be a better shooter. You know, you you have to have the proper posture. If you're a right-handed shooter, your right foot needs to be a little bit in front of your left foot. And then you you need to keep your elbow tucked in straight. If you leave it out like this, you're not going to be the best shooter. But if you have that elbow parallel, then that's going to help. And then you have to, it's not a shot put, but you have to have follow through. Your your wrist has to break. And, And if you do those things, you can become a good shooter. But just read, you can't just read about shooting in a book. There's got to be more to it than that. After a while, that gets old. Okay, yeah, I got that, the wrist thing and all that kind of... Yeah, I I got it. But put it into practice. There's no life. There's no enjoyment. There's no fun. There's no experience apart from putting it into action. You can have all the stuff in your head. You can be a great... I, I know everything that they've written about shooting... But you've got to put it into practice. And the same things with Christianity. You can't be a Christian and just have a head full of ideas and doctrines. It takes practice. It takes doing, acting, obeying. And that's what Jesus says here. If you don't do what my Father says, you can call me Lord all day long, but I will not accept you in the day of judgment. The point of my lesson this morning is this, I want to remind you, like Jesus reminded good people of his day, that we've got to exceed, we have to do better, we cannot be content and deceive ourselves into thinking that going through the motions of Christianity will get us to heaven keeping my name on a roll, getting my picture taken, at picture taking time, uh you know, dropping some money in, taking the Lord's supper, coming to Bible class, you know whatever it is. That's not enough. God wants your heart. He wants you to do the things you do because you love him. And that there's nothing else that appeals to you as much as him. I know I shared this illustration before. And even wrote on it not too long ago in the little shopper thing that we had. But I'm already in deep from Bible class with my wife. So I'll I'll tell you this. Kim is not my first love. She's not. There was another girl that I was in love with. She had brown hair. Beautiful eyes and had the most precious gap where her front teeth should have been. She was six, okay? Uh, she was six years old. And I, I was in love with this girl. I mean, she had my rapt attention. It didn't matter to me if anybody else said, you know, if I got one of those letters, do you like me? Circle yes or no. You, you probably got one of those, or, well, maybe some of you. I don't know. But... Um, You you probably got one of those. And, And it didn't matter because my eyes were on her. And it reminds me of the song that we sing Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face, and the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. That's the way it works. The more you fall in love with Jesus, the less and less you will love the world. Jesus isn't saying, I want you to jump through hoops for me. I want you to go to church because I said go to church. I want you to take the Lord's Supper because I said take the Lord's Supper. He's not just making us jump through hoops to see if we'll obey. He's saying this, I want your devotion. And when you give me that, we're good. You'll exceed those who are just going through the motions. You'll truly have a relationship with me. That's the cure for the common Christian. Jesus. And a relationship with Him. And if you don't have that relationship with Him, you begin working on it. And you take to heart the things that Jesus said about... How, if we want to see heaven, it, it has to be better than what other people offer. It, it has to exceed. If you're not yet in a relationship with Jesus through obedience to His commands, why don't you take this opportunity this morning and uh, obey His prescription. Um, on the day of Pentecost, there were people who were sinners who had actually put Jesus on the cross... And they cried out, men and brethren, what shall we do? And and Peter said, by inspiration, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If you haven't done that, do that this morning. That's the prescription. If you're a child of God already, but unfaithful, and you need to get back, and you haven't been as faithful as you should, and you know that going through the motions, that's not going to cut it. Lukewarmness, ritualism, formalism, that, just that rote, doing right things, that's not enough. Jesus wants your heart, and if you need to come back and say, I've lost my first love, but I want to get it back, we'll pray with you if you'll come as we stand together and sing.